0: Welcome to Southside Student Ministries podcast, where we are all about developing students into lifelong followers of Jesus. We trust that the message that you are about to listen to will help you know God better and help you live a transformed life. If you have any questions about what you heard, please visit us online at www.southsidestudentmin.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, and I was hoping to have a really fun conversation with you guys today, kind of about the benefits of being found. Uh, I ended it last week where we talked about there's three different benefits of, specifically of being found, but we're not going to talk about that today. Sound good? We're not going to talk about that. I almost lost my seat. That has been bad. So today, here's what we're going to talk about, okay? Last week we talked about that Jesus actively goes and seeks those who are lost, but on the flip side... You have to go to him. But here's the deal, okay? A lot of people think that when Jesus stepped into earth, when Jesus stepped onto planet earth as a human, as a baby, that that's when God stepped out of heaven and and went after man. And part of that statement is actually true because, yes, that's when God stepped out of heaven and went down to earth so that way he could rescue people. But did you know that God was in the, the lost and found business way before Jesus even showed up? Way before Jesus was the Good Shepherd, way before Jesus went and found the lost coin, way before we went back home to follow after Jesus, God was always, always, always actively pursuing humanity. Tonight we're gonna do our lesson a little bit different, okay? We're gonna do more of a history lesson. This, this is kind of the fun, nerdy, geeky stuff that I like about, about uh, church and religion. There are two favorite things that I love, okay? But this, this is just Mark, just telling you guys what's up so i actually love church history i'm a nerd geek about martin luther john calvin zwingli the anabaptist like you know josephus uh Tertullian, uh what's what's some other fun names um the guy who followed to Peter, he had like a name of kind of like a fish. I don't remember what his name was. Um, but there are all these people that pretty much the history of the church. I love, love, love that area of church history. But the other area that I love about Christianity is the historical background content. What that means is to know what's going on behind the scenes of the Bible to understand what's actually happening in the Bible. Like to know the passage about Jesus was the good shepherd. You have to understand, okay, what was it like to be a shepherd? What were sheep like back then? What were the pens like? How did shepherds do their various different things? Because when you understand what's underneath, not looking for a spiritual message, just what's happening in that culture, you can understand that text better. So today we're going to do that for the entire Bible. Okay, We are literally going to have a history lesson over the entire Bible in 20 minutes. It's, it actually is, because here's the deal. There's something in the... You guys are like, you can't even talk for less than 40 minutes. I know that's true, but we're going to try. Um, <laughs> here's the deal, okay? If you understand the background content of the Bible, and you don't want to write this one out. Do you understand the background content of the Bible, you understand the Bible. If you understand how the Bible works, you understand the Bible. And here's what I mean by that. Ever since the very beginning of earth, When God first created the earth, God did something with man called a covenant. You guys recognize that word? A covenant? Yeah? I'm getting like no response. Raise your hand if you know what the word covenant means or if you've heard the word covenant or something like that. Yeah? Yeah? You guys actually know covenants a lot more than what you guys think because here's the deal. Simply, all a covenant is, is it's an agreement between two different parties, okay? And we do covenants all the time, okay? So let's imagine I'm a bank and Leanne wants to get some money from me, all right? We're going to go into a covenant relationship with each other where I'm going to give Leanne $10,000 and Leanne's going to pay me back every single month with some interest on top of that. But what happens if you fail to pay back? No, the covenant's broken and now I'm going after all your money. Um, We do that with apartment leases where if we're going to say, hey, I want to live where your apartment is in the apartment complex, we'll say, okay, here's your lease. You can live here as long as you hold up to these various standards. And when you check out, you have to make sure you do this. As long as that agreement is in place, you're okay. When you're trying to get a loan for a car, a loan for school, um, apartment, um, and even how about a service, just like a service in general. Like, okay, a plumber, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars for you to do this kind of work. You come into an agreement with one another where you both have to hold up your end of the bargain. Okay. Just because a bank says they're going to give you $10,000 doesn't mean they actually will. They have to hold up their end of, of the agreement. And you know what? We don't think covenants are that big of a deal. Okay. Um, everything from the marriage covenant to money covenant to, um, oh, I, said, I already said money to services, place you live, just friendships in general. We don't think a lot of covenants because they just happen all the time. But here's the crazy thing, okay? When God makes a covenant, it is a freaking huge deal, all right? When God makes a covenant, it's a huge deal because that is God creating a relationship with humanity in order to do certain things and to accomplish certain things. In fact, you can narrow down the Bible into about, between who you talk to, like seven or eight different covenants. And then rather, instead of me telling you what each covenant is and going through it, because I know you guys get bored with me anyways, I have a fun video for us to watch. So we're going to watch a video where we talk. it it tells you what the covenants are, explains what they are, and the purpose behind those covenants. And then we're going to come back together, and we're just going to put a pretty bow on it. Sounds good? Sound easy? All
0: right, here we go. So let's... Watch about the covenant. If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend or your father or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much, and that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right, and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many, and he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption and Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah saying, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great, so what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant, is that God is promising to be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure somehow. Yeah, they called it the new covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham. And so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who was able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah. And what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man. That Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who were becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. All
1: right, so um, let's at least get that one down. What is a covenant? So write that down real quick on your slip for what is a covenant. So yeah, a a covenant is an agreement between two parties in which each party is responsible to hold up their end of the agreement, what we have talked about so far. Um, You don't have to write that whole sentence down if you want. It's just an agreement between two people. and Each person has to hold up their end. All right, so the covenants that we just learned about, the covenants that they specifically just talked about, literally tells you the entire story of the Bible. And in fact, in my opinion, they actually skipped a covenant, which was the creation covenant, the Edenic covenant, the Garden of Eden, where God says you can live in this land, just don't eat of one, uh, don't eat of the one fruit, and everything will be okay. And then Adam and Eve, you know, they're like, you know, wow, we know better than you, God. We're going to do this anyway, so they did it, and then that's when the whole thing fell. But here's the deal with the covenants, okay? Every single, 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 single story in the Bible, every, every single letter, every single book, every single everything fits into one of these covenants. You saw the one with Noah. You saw the one with Abraham. You saw the one with David. But here's the deal with those covenants, okay? Those covenants were all incomplete, okay? Because they were made with broken people. Every one of those covenants was not necessarily a wise, smart choice for God to make because every single time humanity screwed up, they messed up. And because of that, the covenant was broken. But who was the person that came and actually was able to renew and restore and complete all the covenants? Yeah. Who? Jesus. Jesus was able to do that. And he was able to usher in what, what you guys learned about called the new covenant. And the new covenant is where we live right now now. And there's going to be another, they, some people even say there's going to be another covenant after where when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom for the thousand-year reign, where we'll be living in the new kingdom. Um, some people say that's another covenant as well. But here's the deal, okay? Here's what I want you guys to take away from this, and we'll, we'll kind of explain it as we go. Uh, here's your takeaway points, okay? Your slip will pick back up with this. But what the covenants teach us about God, the first thing is the fact that God has always gone after the lost to provide a way back home. God has always gone after the lost to provide a way back home. And here's the second one, okay? I'm going to give you both of them right now. The second one is God always keeps his word even when humanity does not. God has always gone after the lost to provide a way back home, and he always keeps his word when humanity doesn't. What some people believe about these covenants is the fact that in every single covenant, it was a different way for people to get saved. Like, okay, so this covenant was all about works, and if you were good, like if you worked really hard, you would be able to get saved from Jesus. And now all of a sudden we're living in the covenant, the dispensation of grace, and now it's all, <laughs> now it works anymore. It's about grace, and that's not what it is at all. What each one of these covenants show? And this is kind of the simple, simple truth I want you guys to know is the fact of ever since man screwed up, ever since man sinned, God has always gone after those who were lost. It didn't just start with Jesus. Jesus was the manifestation and actually stepped in the world to go after the lost. But God has always been in the business of going after the lost. And why? I don't know. <laughs> Logically, it doesn't make sense. I got a question for you guys, and I want you guys to think about this, think what God actually did for us. God created a perfect world, so I want you to imagine, this is going to be a lot of fun, imagine your perfect world. Some of you guys will be full of basketballs, some of your world will be full of Starbucks with no pumpkin spice lattes. Some of your world will be full of a place where you can eat peanut butter and not die. Like, some people's world might consist of that. That's you, fair child. And some of you guys might be thinking of, oh, in my world, there's actually, like, a dude who likes me and wants to date me. Cool, let's go. So that's a joke, by the way. Um, but all everyone has a different, like, picture-perfect world. So picture create this picture-perfect world. Yes, Morgan? Yo. Yes. Yes. Okay, here's a fun fact for you. You ready for this? So Truett Cathy started Chick-fil-A. He was a Southern Baptist. So my theory is when we all get to heaven and live in the new kingdom, only Southern Baptists get to go to Chick-fil-A on Sunday. And we get to look for the rest of the, like those who saved and be like, huh. Hey. Should have been Southern Baptist and just keep rolling. That's just a joke. That's not true. That's just a joke. That's a joke. Um, but you c- create this picture perfect world inside of it, okay? It's perfect. It's exactly the way you want it. Now picture some little Lego cre- people, creatures, whatever. Pick, get some little Lego people and put them in your world. Take some little little, little Lego people and put them in your world, okay? They can talk. They're, they, they're, they're like, you know, the Lego movies. They can talk, you know, everything is awesome. Like, all that very stuff. They're in that perfect world. And then all you say is, hey, you get to just enjoy this world I created for you. Just have fun. Just don't do one thing, okay? That little red Lego block? Yeah, don't touch it. Just Don't touch that little red Lego block. You have this whole world, and don't touch that one Lego block. Imagine if that Lego block said, I'm smarter than you. You are just trying to control me. So basically... (coughs) Um, suck it, I'm going to go do with this because I'm smarter than you anyways. How would you feel about that stupid little Lego creation? That's
0: why you put it what up, would you do?
1: You would go Barbie on it and pop its head off, right? I would. You don't know what I'm talking about? you pop the heads off of Barbie dolls?
2: That's
1: what I would do with my Lego creature. I would stomp on it and be like, well, we're going to try again because you suck, and boop, and try another one. Now, this is a really bad illustration, okay? Really bad illustration, but that's what God did. God created a perfect world, and it was perfect, and he put man inside of it, and he put animals and creatures and and birds and plants and trees and waterfalls and gardens that were just, you know, actually grew fruit. and didn't just die when you planted them. Like, it's actually super cool. It actually worked. Like, holy crap, it works. (laughs) And then man said, no, we're smarter than you. In fact, we know better, and you're trying to just manipulate us. So we're going to do what we want to do. God could have just said, I'm done with you. It's over. We'll just try again tomorrow. But instead, God made covenants with certain individuals throughout history because God was like, yes, you messed up, but I'm still coming after you. Yes, you messed up, but I'm still coming after you. Yes, you messed up, but I am still coming after you. Then eventually God said, I'm going to go into this world and fix this for you. And they sent Jesus He was the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He stepped into the world to save the world. And since then, the lost can see the person who's been trying to find them. That's the world that we're living in right now. It's not just the fact that Jesus went and goes, you know, his reckless love goes find the one sheep. It's not the fact that he sweeps everything to go and go ahead and go get that one lost coin. It's not the fact that he's just waiting for this one prodigal to come to him. But it's the fact of God's been doing this for forever, for forever. And here's the deal. Mankind has broken every single covenant since God has made these with man. But God has never broken his word. Every promise that we see in here in the scriptures, God has kept. And God will continue to keep. And one day all things will come to fulfillment. But God's word will never be broken. And it's crazy to think that God stepped into the world as a man to make a covenant with God. Jesus, who was God, made a covenant with God because we couldn't. So I want you guys to know that God has always, 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 always been in the game of seeking after those who are lost. So here's the deal. You don't have to wonder, I feel lost. Does God really want to find me? (laughs) I think he's proved that for the last 6,000 years, 8,000, whatever you want to do. God has always been in the game of seeking after that. But here's the deal, okay? What does that mean for you specifically right now? Right now, yes, that's cool, but I want you to know, like, all right, Mark, that's super cool, but what am I supposed to do about that on Tuesday? Like, what the heck am I supposed to do about it, all right? Here's the first thing of what it means for you today. Ready? Get your slips back out. Here we go. What it means for us today, number one, is you don't have to remain lost because God made a way back home to him. You do not have to go find it. Here's the crazy thing. You didn't find the way back to God. God made the way for you to come back and find him. I need someone to go to Romans 10 for me. Who's got stit? Who gots it? Get the hands up. Who wants to go to Romans 10? Cassidy, go to Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. Who wants to go to Acts 16? Marissa, go for it. Um, Acts 16, verses 25 through 34. So Cassidy, your Acts 10, 9 through 13. Marissa, you didn't bring a tablet tonight. It's dead. It's dead. Marissa forgot to charge her Bible, guys.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: And actually, Nathaniel, can you go to Ephesians 1 for me? 1 7? We'll get to that later. All right, so you got your verse, Cassidy?
2: Yeah.
1: Read it nice and loud.
2: Wait,
1: 10, 9. Uh, Romans 10 9 through 13.
2: Okay. If you confess in your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
1: Awesome. Now read yours, Marissa.
2: The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord, Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, and he look, he and his whole family...
1: Awesome. And check this out. John 3, verses 14 through 21 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His, wor- his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Catch this, ready? The light has come into the world. The people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so his works may be shown to to be accomplished by God. What are these three passages saying? The first one is a fact of everyone who is lost can be found in Jesus <laughs> because we're all in darkness in some way, shape, or form. We're all in darkness, but who's the light? Mm. Jesus. I'm giving you guys like softballs tonight. So Jesus is the light. He's the one to shine the light into the world. He's the one who's kind of a guide. He's the compass. He's the map. He can take us to home where we need to go. But how do we do that? It's the verse that Cassidy read. Whoever can believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus was who he said he was, that he did what he said he was going to do, and they confess from their sins and say, God, I'm going to follow after you. That's who's saved. And the passage Marissa read was all about a guy who did just that, the Philippian jailer. We don't have to remain lost because God made a way back home to him. My question is, is have you gone from lost to found? That's my question. Have you gone from lost to found? yes, following Jesus in general. That's my first question. How have you been lost and found that way? And here's the other deal. If you feel lost in your faith, if you feel lost at school, if you feel lost at your job, in your home life, whatever, God can still help you find your way back home even through that. So here's the second thing that the covenants mean. Is this. Is what those covenants mean today is there is nothing that we can do to have God get rid of us. In other words, breaking his own covenant. There's nothing that we can do for God to break his own covenant, for God to get rid of us, besides not believing in Jesus. There's nothing that we can do to have God get rid of us that is break his covenant besides not believing in Jesus. All right, go ahead and read your passage, Nathaniel. Uh,
2: Ephesians
1: 1, 1.7. 1, 7 1.7-14.
2: Um, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound towards us in all wisdom and patience, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times we might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Nathaniel. So in that passage, Nathaniel literally read three different paragraphs, okay? Three separate paragraphs. And each paragraph began with two words. In him. In Jesus. In Jesus. In Jesus. And the last one I want you to focus on was in verse 13. It says, In him. We, uh, let's see, in him you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. The new covenant that Jesus proclaimed when he came on earth was, yes, um, God has come to earth, you can follow after him, but you don't need to worship him in a temple anymore. You don't need to go to Jerusalem, but in fact, you can worship him wherever you are because you will worship him in spirit and in truth. Here's the deal at the end of the day, okay? For those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, who did what the pastors that Cassidy read, believe in your heart, confessing with your mouth, if you have done that, you can guarantee that you are sealed through Jesus. In other words, God found you, he ain't going to lose you. So there is nothing you can do to go outside of God's love. Now here's the the whole conversation that people have. Okay, yes, can you lose your salvation? Can you not? What if someone says, yes, I want to follow after Jesus, but then you look at him and it's like, you 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 don't look like you follow Jesus. Like yeah, you you shouldn't do that. Like "Mm -mm, nope. mm -mm." And not just like one thing. Like your whole dang life is screwed up. Like that doesn't that that, that's not right. Now there's that whole conversation of were they believers or were they not or did they lose their salvation? Did they fall from grace? And here's how I want you guys to just at least know. Okay. If God found you, if he called you, if he redeemed you, if he literally said, yes, you will be my son, and you respond to that and say, yes, God, I am going to follow you. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. There ain't nothing that can take that away from you. Now, should you keep sinning so that way the Bible says grace may abound? The answer is no. No. In other words, since God saved you, actually live like a Christian, talk like a Christian, maybe even care like a Christian. When someone sees your life, they should go, you know what, that chance kid's kind of weird, but I want to know about this. And not just because chance is weird, but it's kind of like, dude, you, you, you were nice to that person that cussed you out. Like, that's weird, dude. Like, what the heck's wrong with you? And then that's when you'd be like, you know, then you can start doing a little kid song, you know, like, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty, you know, that'd be kind of fun. But here's the deal, okay? If there if you have given your life to Jesus, this is what I want you to know, this is where we're gonna end. If you have given your life to Jesus and you go, you know what? I sin, I mess up, God must not want me anymore, the answer is heck no. False. It's false. B red nailed it. Yeah. B red nailed it, Bob. I got B-rad. you. You got me. There is nothing you can do for God to break his covenant with you. And if you, like the prodigal son, find yourself so far away from home where you're like, you know what, Mark, I I I do stuff that I don't like that I'm ashamed of. If you know what I do, Mark, you I would melt to pieces. I do things on the weekends that no one should talk about. I do things at 2 a.m. when no one's looking. I do this, I do this, I do this. Here's the deal at the end of the day, okay? God still loves you. Jesus still died for you. And God's promise is still the same. God actively seeks those who are lost. Maybe it's time for you to come back home. I don't know where you're at tonight, but we're going to sing some songs here in a little bit, kind of out of a response to that. And I want you guys to sing. I want you guys to praise God. I want you to meditate. I want to talk about this in small groups. Get vulnerable if you have to. But at the end of the day, I want you guys to remember these two truths, okay? It's just the two truths. is God has always, always gone after the lost, to help them find their way back home. And on top of that, God keeps his word even when humanity doesn't. And my question for you is the fact of, A, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And the second question I have for you is, are you going to live in that reality today? Let's pray and let's get into our worship time. So Father God, we do thank you. God, we thank you that when man screwed up and we sinned, that you didn't leave us there. God you could have made us just absolute miserable people, God. you could have gotten rid of us. you could have got, you, you literally could have destroyed us, but God, you chose not to. So God, out of that, I want to say thank you. I want to say we don't deserve it, but at the end of the day, that's the truth. God, there's someone here in this room that, that is lost. Help them know that you made a way back home. God, we can't make our own way back home because we don't know the way. We talked about that last week. But God, you made a way for us to go back home, and I pray you help us find it. Help us find it through your son and just live in the promises that you God. got. We're going to talk about the benefits of being found, stuff that we get to enjoy as believers and as Christians. But before we even get to that, God, I pray that, that the lost will be found, that we'll be able to come back home. And just like the prodigal son, we know that when we run to you, you're going to be right there with open arms, God. Just help us live in that reality today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is Mark Hyde, the pastor here at Southside Student Ministry. Just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. If it's been encouraging to you in any way, shape, or form, we would encourage you just to rate us. Get, leave us a five-star review if you can. It actually helps other students see us when they go looking for podcasts and know that we're just not a load of crap and that they can actually trust us with the content we're kicking out. We will see you all next time here on Southside Student Ministries Podcast.